Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Robert Zirk. Nolan Bicknell is on vacation this week. On today's show, we'll learn more about the South Osborne Permaculture Commons, a local urban agriculture and community programming initiative based on the idea of sustainable living. Then we'll speak with Jennifer Arhus, Student Awards Specialist at the Winnipeg Foundation, and she'll tell us all about an educational Arctic expedition she recently embarked on with Students on Ice. And Noah Ehrenberg, convener of Community News Commons, will join me in studio to discuss the latest in citizen journalism through the lens of CNC. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Good morning and welcome to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you in the CJNU studio at the corner of Portage and Main. As I mentioned, my co-host Nolan is on vacation this week. I myself had a wonderful weekend off last week, but it's good to be back and I've got some really great stories to share with you this week. So you could say that the theme of today's show is sustainability. Because for our first story, we're going to examine it on a local level by learning more about the South Osborne Permaculture Commons. It's a local urban agriculture initiative that does a lot of community programming as well. And later on, we're going to talk about it on a more global scale. Uh, we'll be speaking with my colleague Jennifer Arhus at the Winnipeg Foundation. She recently went on an expedition put on by the organization Students on Ice that took them from Ottawa to Nunavut to Labrador to Greenland. We're going to learn all about that. And of course, we'll have the latest headlines from Noah Ehrenberg and Community News Commons, which is the Winnipeg Foundation Citizen Journalism Project. So we've got a really great lineup for you today. But before we get to all of that, we have to start things the way we normally do. And that is, as you know, with a song. So here's Love Is Me, Love Is You, Connie Francis, right here on River City 360. Start a rumor that everyone will think is news Love is more, love is fine Love is yours, love is mine Love is free, love is true Love is me, love is you Come on baby, let's tell all the people That love is such a wonderful thing Let's get together and just start a notion That everybody else can sing Love is more, love is fine, love is yours, love is mine, love is free, love is true, love is me, love is you. Love is mine, love is free, 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert here with you this morning. And recently we had the chance to tour the South Osborne Permaculture Commons. It's an urban agriculture initiative that has several gardening sites throughout the Lord Roberts and Riverview neighborhoods located in South Osborne. But it's more than just that. There's also a variety of events and workshops that really work to bring the community together. Everything from potlucks to gardening clubs to even a, a big harvest dinner or selling vegetables at a local food market. All of these things are really bringing people in the South Osborne neighborhoods together. So we spoke to a few people that are involved in various capacities with South Osborne Permaculture Commons. Tim Stewart has lived in the neighborhood since 1980, and he volunteers at the Commons, helping to plant and weed. We asked him, what exactly is permaculture? It's, uh, in very basic terms, it's biomimicry. It's copying what nature already does. So it's the idea of companion planting, putting plants together that help each other to grow and protect each other and, and uh, more symbiotic relationships. Um, it's about using the slope of the land to um, maximize the use of n uh, natural water sources rather than seeing waste. The idea that nature doesn't waste anything, it all gets used again. Pam Rayner Moore has been volunteering with the South Osborne Permaculture Commons for two years, and she told us about some of the reasons why she feels the Commons is important for the local community. It's an educational thing, and it's also urban, urban farming, urban gardening is very, very uh, important with possible transition from long distance foods to have a supply on hand. So I think that's important. And it's important for the community and the young kids to be involved. My granddaughter comes down and she helps. Rod Kuneman is the Vice President of Sustainable South Osborne Community Co-op. He's been there since the initiative began and he's helped to develop each of the sites that make up the permaculture commons. One of the sites actually includes an orchard and the first row of apple trees was planted four years ago. Well the orchard just takes an enormous amount of work so to actually have enough apples and they're really tasty, like they're really good apples, and people are quite shocked at how big an apple can actually grow in Manitoba. Everyone thinks we can only grow crab apples. Well, we've got apples here that are just as big as any, you know, delicious or any of the other apples you see in the stores. In Rod's view, building community is what the South Osborne Permaculture Commons is really all about. You know, this is about growing food, but mostly it's about growing community ties. So for me as a sociologist, that's really the hidden agenda. You know, like it's nice to have you know, the, the, the local fresh food and teach people how to grow food. So, you know, it's nice for people to come out and, and learn that knowledge transfer and uh, to discover stuff with us and, and to just be sort of amazed at the, the wonder of nature. And that's a very pragmatic kind of a goal, to teach people how to grow food. But I want these people to know each other. I want them to share their knowledge, share their tools, make decisions and solve our problems and those kinds of things. So it's really trying to build strong local communities. Uh, and I think we're having increasing success at that. And that community element is also important to Jessica Martins, who got involved after taking the Building a Commons class at the University of Manitoba. I actually live in the neighborhood, so it's convenient and just like wanting to get involved in my own neighborhood. Being connected, doing something good with people that live close by, because I think the way things are these days, it's really hard to get to know your neighbors. Thank you to everyone at the South Osborne Permaculture Commons, volunteers and board members alike who took the time to speak with us. 
If you'd like to learn more about the South Osborne Permaculture Commons, you can visit their website at southosbornecommons.ca. When we come back, I'll speak with Jennifer Arhus, the Student Award Specialist at the Winnipeg Foundation, and she'll tell us all about her recent Arctic expedition with Students on Ice. You won't want to miss that. But first, here's Forbes with their tribute to the Beatles, appropriately called Beatles, right here on River City 360. The Beatles gave us all their songs Yesterday's a lovely one Like all the others they have done Yeah, yeah, yeah The Beatles songs we knew by heart In music they could work it out Ooh, we love to hear them shout Welcome back to River City 360. Robert here with you this morning, and I'm now joined by Jennifer Arhus. She's the Student Awards Specialist at the Winnipeg Foundation. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. So you went recently on what I can only describe as what must have been the trip of a lifetime, going on an Arctic expedition with Students on Ice. Tell us a little bit, first of all, what is Students on Ice? Sure, yeah, it was uh, definitely an experience of a lifetime. So Students on Ice is a foundation. Um, They have a mandate to educate the world's youth about importance of the polar region. So they do expeditions to the Arctic, and they also do expeditions to the Antarctic, basically to support uh, continued growth and inspire initiatives that contribute to global sustainability. In the 2016 Arctic expedition, there were 200 participants, uh, 120 students, and 80 staff. So 
uh, people from all kinds of sectors, mainly scientists, teachers, professors, musicians, nonprofit leaders, explorers, people who have been on some amazing adventures themselves. They were all there to kind of come together and share their stories. So yeah, it was, it was a really amazing experience to come together to learn about global climate change, mental illness, uh, truth and reconciliation, culture, ecosystems, and everything else in between. Very cool. So a lot of people from all different walks of life. How did you get involved in this particular program? So I was asked through uh, CFC, which is Community Foundations of Canada. This is their first year that they wanted to be involved in this expedition. And it was mostly to learn about the North and learn about what they have for philanthropy, what their community foundation initiatives already are. Currently, there isn't a lot of representation in the North for community foundations. There's only one in the Yukon. We just wanted to know the supports that were uh, needed, that they need to create a community foundation. And if there was already things in existence that we could kind of use to work with them with their philanthropy goals. I myself, as the student awards specialist, I'm involved with youth and students and recipients of scholarship awards. So just learning from the youth perspectives and understanding what they thought and their knowledge on the world issues that we talked about and the things that the northern students face on an everyday basis be it climate change, um, mental illness from isolation and climate change as well, sustainability, not having resources, not being able to work in their communities. So things like that is, it was definitely eye-opening. And just to learn about those things was really helpful for me to bring it back to my job here. Excellent. And it's important to kind of get out to different areas of the country and really just see everything that's going on and kind of get to know the communities there. It's very true. Before going to the Arctic, I had a vision that the North was just a place, just a landmass, just ice and rock. But after physically being there and seeing the things that a lot of people will never see has really opened my eyes and made me think like that is not just a place. It's people live there, communities thrive there they're not getting the support that they need up there, whether it be philanthropy, whether it be doctor services, um, psychology, anything to do with mental illness awareness. They're not getting what they need up there. And it's, it's really disheartening and just makes you think like how lucky we are. And that some of the issues that we face here in Winnipeg, they are to some extent, the exact same issues that they're facing, truth and reconciliation, that's huge right now. Sustainability issues, all those kind of things. We flew to Iqaluit and then began sailing, but it didn't quite work out the way that things were planned. Tell us a little bit more about that part. So originally we were supposed to fly to Kujuac in Quebec and board the ship there and sail north uh, around Baffin Island coast. But because the ice was so thick around Baffin Island coast, we couldn't end up going around the island there. So we ended up flying to Iqaluit, which was quite the experience as it was as well because of the levels of fog that um, prohibited us from landing. So it was always delayed and uh, we had to have a quick quick turnaround there. Um, but then once we boarded the ship in Iqaluit, we sailed south through the uh, Frobisher Bay and we ended up going a little bit further south uh, to the northern Labrador coast, and we made our way uh, down that area. And so we were able to, to get to uh, Torngat Mountain National Park, 
and we were at, at Hebron, um, and there were a few other amazing places there as well. And then after that, we sailed north up the Davis Strait and visited many places along the coast of Greenland, past the Arctic Circle. One of the major themes of the expedition was sustainability and also how global warming and climate change, the impact that it's having. Of course, it has a huge impact here, but um, it also has a very, very big impact for people who live in the north in the Arctic. The most eye-opening thing is, I believed even before I went on the trip that global warming was real. I did not realize how bad it was. Hearing on the ship of the educators speaking um, about global warming and glaciers and icebergs and rising sea levels and solar impact, all of those things are actually really scary and they're very real. I hear, I heard a lot about mental illness with relation to climate change and I didn't, at first I didn't really understand how those two would kind of connect, but once I heard more about it, um, I heard a lot of the students and the people in the communities talk about how the level of mental illness is so high because they can't get on the land anymore. They can't fish like they used to. They can't hunt like they used to because of the global warming climate change, because everything's melting. How would you kind of sum up the entire experience of the trip and the expedition? I would say in all positive ways, it was intense, emotional, inspirational, educating, and really fun. All wrapped up into two and a half weeks. We had very intense days, full jam-packed of learning, learning sessions, workshops, going out into the land, taking zodiac trips around in the ocean, viewing wildlife on the decks. If ever there was something to see, they would make sure that everyone was able to get out on deck and see it for themselves. The water was probably one of the most memorable pieces of the north. The amount of sediment in the water makes it that really rich blue color. Um, so it was just, it was absolutely incredible. And I got to drink water off of a glacier and it was like the best water I've ever had. <laughs> Pretty amazing. The conversations and the presentations that were had amongst all the staff and students were by far the most incredible experience learning about the climate change and glaciers, icebergs. There was just a lot of experts on all those various things. And then hearing it from the students and what they go through, um, whether they're from the north or from the south, wherever they were from, it was just really interesting to see all of the relationships that were formed. And um, hopefully they last a lifetime. What was a highlight for you? What was kind of your favorite moment on the trip? That's very hard to pick, but I would say... The highlight of my trip was when we were at uh, Jacobshaven Ice Fjord in Greenland, and we were all on the zodiacs out in the ocean, just taking a cruise around the icebergs that were coming off of the glacier. And three humpback whales decided to um, show up, and they stuck around, and we were able to spend uh, quite a amount of quite a bit of time with them. Uh, all of us, all 200 of us, were on the Zodiacs out on the ocean. And we were all together, all the Zodiacs in, a, in like a circle. The engines were turned off and everyone was silent. The only thing you could hear was the ocean waves and the humpback whales that were feeding and swimming, spraying and diving down. Uh, it was really, really incredible to be 50 feet away from these very large mammals 
and listening to their movements and their breathing and everyone else kind of on the same page with you and everyone having their cameras out and we even got a um, musical performance from Tim Baker who's from Hey Rosetta and he played us a song in the middle of the ocean by the humpback whales with all of us surrounding him so it was incredible a priceless experience i'm sure (laughs) yes yes indeed so if uh, any of our listeners want to learn more about students on ice they can visit the website which is studentsonice.com you can go there there's actually uh pages on their website where you can follow the entire expedition day by day there's blogs there's all kinds of incredible photographs and you can kind of see for yourself just what one of these expeditions is is really like so again studentsonice.com is the website jennifer thank you so much for sharing uh your experience on the expedition with us on the radio today thank you very much for having me it was um an honor to be able to go to the arctic and see all these things firsthand and then come back and share it with you all Thanks again to Jennifer Arhus, Student Award Specialist at the Winnipeg Foundation. When we come back, Noah Ehrenberg, the convener of Community News Commons, will join me in studio to discuss the latest articles published at the Winnipeg Foundation's citizen journalism website, Community News Commons. But before we get to that, I know summer's almost over, but let's hear the Dan Lears with One Summer Night right here on River City 360.
Good morning and welcome back to River City 360. Robert here with you in studio and I'm now joined by Noah Ehrenberg. He is the convener of Community News Commons, which is the Winnipeg Foundation citizen journalism project that people from all across the city, from all kinds of different backgrounds, contribute their own stories and share what's going on in their neighborhood and what interests them. Noah, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for inviting me. I understand you have a couple of new stories that you'd like to talk about that are published at CNC. The website for those who want to check them out is cncwpg.org. And these have to do with history and kind of going a little bit into the past. Exactly. Uh, these are fascinating stories. The first one I wanted to talk about is by Heather Emberley and uh, citizen reporter Heather Emberley. She writes about a couple of teachers, the one named Ada Allen, the other Jean Deans, and uh, the Retired Women Teachers Association of Manitoba is going to be honoring them this year as they celebrate um, the association's 65th anniversary. And these two teachers attended normal school uh, and graduated way back in 1933. They uh, began their career in one-room school schools in uh, rural Manitoba. They taught for 40 years. Uh, they've been retired for 40 years, and they uh, both attained the age of 102 years. Uh, sadly, uh, Miss Allen passed away in July, but Mrs. Deans has plans for her 103rd birthday coming up in January of this year, of 2017. So um, in the piece, it's very interesting because she visits both of these teachers, or, or at least she, she references both of these teachers, and she asks them about what it was like to teach in Manitoba, in particular rural Manitoba, uh, for example, in the Depression or through that, that time period. And it's a fascinating look at uh, what teachers would have to do. In fact, like I didn't realize that teaching jobs that were offered in the Depression, you know, they offered experience, but uh, it was just room and board as your payment, no wow. salary. And, um, you know, other um, examples of how resourceful they have to be, you know, this was a time before Xerox machines, and um, Ada Allen would make duplicate copies of her student handouts by using a deep cookie pan and a can of hectograph jelly. And uh, because there was a shortage carbon paper she was using prints from master copies pressed over the jelly saturated in hot water which meant she could get them you know 15 copies uh, per imprint oh so my goodness things like this you know stories like that really uh, make for a fascinating look at this uh, at, at this type of history and one point that I wanted to make was that one of the reasons why this story came about was because a the CNC story a few years ago about the bus driver who gave away his shoes to a homeless man um, when that went viral a, a student of one of these teachers, Jean Dean's uh, former student, was wondering whatever happened to Mrs. Dean's because it reminded uh, this student of how uh, Mrs. Dean's was in terms of being um, so helpful and uh, so giving. And that's really how it started because then an article was written in a local newspaper about that. And um, and then Heather uh, saw that article, and then she contacted Mrs. Deans, and she started to do this piece about uh, how they're being honored and, you know, what it was like to be a teacher back then. Uh, one poem I'll, I'll just uh, um, say from Mrs. Deans. Her favorite poem that she came up with was, One rule to guide you in your life, it's always good and true, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that's a poem that's in the piece and um, sort of references, you know, how amazing it was to um, to be a teacher back then. Very cool. And mm-hmm. it kind of, uh, it's very interesting how that kind of reflects the collaborative nature of CNC where one story can actually lead to another. Exactly. And and, and that's the beauty of, of Community News Commons is that we, you know, we really don't, we don't concern ourselves with who 
um, sort of owns the story or who come up, so comes up with the story. Uh, what we like to do is get the story out there, uh, look at other community newspapers, other uh, sources of uh, news that are being generated, and then we collaborate and we try and uh, create stories uh, from our communities. And uh, that's essentially what Heather Amberley did. Uh, terrific writing and great piece. And I know that a, a lot of our listeners will read that story. It's called Life Lessons from Two Master Teachers, and they'll have a lot of memories about uh, life back before the internet, life before electricity. <laughs> There's so much that we take for granted, right? Even just referencing the photocopier and that just being a quick way of exactly making duplicates and yeah. yet that wasn't available so you know and all sorts of different ways to get to school whether it was by horse and buggy or whether it was by um an airboat on the frozen lake i oh, mean wow. it's um it's really a great pictures great uh, story so uh check it out on communitynewscommons.org that's by heather emberley excellent mm-hmm. so i understand there's also another story um and this one pertains to a place you and i actually both had the opportunity to mm-hmm. visit uh a little bit earlier in uh this past winter which is the Charles Charleswood Historical Society and their museum there and all the very interesting artifacts dating back from before Charleswood was founded Mm -hmm. to just life kind of in the early part of the last century and very, very interesting. And of course, Len Van Roon Sr., very knowledgeable, very interesting guy himself. And uh, I understand there's a citizen reporter who wrote a story about the Charleswood Historical Society and, uh, and yes, had a chance to kind of experience that as well. It was Shirley Kowalchuk, uh, another citizen reporter uh, that uh, visited Charleswood Historical Society, the Charleswood Museum on uh, Roblin. And um, she had a little tour, of course, like what you and I did with Len Van Roon Sr. And it's an amazing place. And uh, Shirley does a terrific job outlining all of the different incredible artifacts that are in this museum. Um, it, it's really a testament to um, the work of Len Van Roon Sr. as well as the Charleswood Historical Society and everybody that has volunteered there to collect these artifacts from Charleswood, a history that many people don't really know that much about. And it's such a, um, a steep history. Uh, it has a lot of references to things that we just didn't know existed, like the the pulley wheel that was used in the Assiniboine River crossing between 1895 and 1900 um it it's and to see the photos from back then and to see all the different community um uh, organizations and and different community efforts that were going on at that time and the artifacts that have all sorts of stories attached to them a lot of stuff with regards to the great wars and you know men from charleswood that um that went to fight those wars it's not just a place of really uh, you know incredible artifacts and stories but it's really a bastion of community it, it it brings people together in fact when shirley was there a man came in with a chair that was donated uh, that he was donating to the museum that basically was the chair that his grandmother used as a teacher you know it's a chair from a two-room schoolhouse that she taught in um and it's uh you know it's just simple artifacts like that that have these terrific stories the people attached to them the people who are alive today who understand the significance of it uh, it's a great uh, a really great read by shirley kowalczyk on communitynewscommons.org it's called visit to local museum and an unforgettable experience. Again, another story that I think our listeners can really relate to uh, because history is so incredible, um, you know, when you think about it because of the how much has gone on in our society in the last, say, 5, 10, 15 years, how much it's changed. But really, if you, if you want to take a look back at uh, some of the things that happened in this city,
society uh, in particular in Charleswood. The historical society is great, and this article is um, it, on the museum is a real terrific read. So uh, I, I think that our, our listeners would definitely enjoy it. I have to say, as someone who, I mean, I've maybe been to Charleswood maybe less than a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a, an area that I was super familiar with, but even having taken that tour myself and getting all the information on all the various things that are there. It is super, super fascinating. So yeah, as you mentioned, I would definitely recommend people check out that article. And of course, people can take their own, uh, go on their own visits to the museum. Mm -hmm. I believe it's every Saturday afternoon. That's right. They're open uh, just once a week, Saturday afternoons between 2 and 4 p.m. And um, they're over at the um, Charleswood Museum, which is on uh, Roblin Boulevard, 5006 Roblin Boulevard. And uh, you're likely to see Len Van Roon Sr. if you go in there. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Getting back to the nature of Community News Commons Mm -hmm. and how it's kind of a collaborative, like you see different citizen reporters, some contribute photos Mm -hmm. and some write articles, some do audio stories. There's a lot of different things that people can do. How can they get involved if they're interested in becoming a citizen reporter and even if they're interested in doing some training because I believe there's some sessions that'll be offered in the fall as well. Well, th- that's right. And, and and the beauty of Community News Commons is that, you know, you don't have to um, be proficient at being a journalist. Like, we basically train people on how to tell stories, uh, how to tell multimedia stories. So we, so we help people on a regular basis. Like, I'll be uh, uh, speaking to reporters, citizen reporters, all the time about the stories that they're working on, helping them develop the story, figuring out how the article should read, um, you know, giving people uh, different uh, types of advice on the multimedia story. So whether it's photography or audio or video. Um, so that's on a regular basis. They can contact me here at the Winnipeg Foundation. Um, and, and it's easy. You just go to uh, communitynewscommons.org and you basically just uh, click on the Become a Citizen Reporter or the Register button, which is in the top right-hand corner. And it takes a minute to register. And then you can begin writing a story. And uh, you can, uh, like I say, you can contact me here at the Winnipeg Foundation, uh, 204 nine four four nine four seven four uh, extension 242 and have a conversation with me about the story that you're working on and I can help you through it as well we have training sessions that happen every spring and fall the ones coming up this fall will be from mid-October until the end of November we bring in um, uh, professional uh, journalists from other media outlets in Winnipeg and we do these sessions twice a week uh, two evenings a week uh, starting in the middle of October and it's on all sorts of different ways how to tell a good story how to write an article how to uh, take great photographs, how to shoot great video, do audio, that sort of thing. And it's all free. So uh, it's really a way of uh, the Winnipeg Foundation's way of building capacity in our community so that people can tell the stories from their community that there's meaningful to them, that they care about, and that, you know, really make a difference to uh, building a much better community. And people, of course, can go to cncwpg.org for more information on the training sessions, or even if they just want to get started, like you don't even have to attend the training sessions just to kind of get your feet wet and, exactly. and start sharing a story or two that you might have of something important to you that's taking place in your community. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So as with every week that we have you on the show, we'd like for you to bring in a featured local song. What do you have for us this week? Well, this week uh, I have a tune by a uh, indie pop 
singer-songwriter from Manitoba. His name is Micah Visser, and he's getting set for the release of an EP this month called Forward. And the EP is kind of an appetizer, I guess, while you wait for Visser's upcoming full-length slated uh, for release sometime in 2017. You can catch Micah Visser at the West End Cultural Centre on September the 9th uh, for the Forward release party. And you can also catch him live at the Harvest Moon Festival, which is coming up on September the 16th. Uh, Now, I understand that festival is sold out, but if you have tickets, great. Uh, Get over there and uh, check out all uh, all the great bands. You know, it's amazing. These festivals in Manitoba, they feature local bands, and they can just fill the bill with local bands only uh, because there's amazing Manitoba musicians and so Micah Visser is just you know he's one of the of, of those that are um, you know he's headed for success um, he's going to be heading out on a Canadian tour uh, this coming uh, fall and I'd like to feature a tune from the EP forward the tune is called I Will Not Return as a Tourist so this is Micah Visser on River City 360 93.7 CGNU FM Lately I've been feeling so strange Wake up dreaming of cheap love and airplanes I could never take what I needed Our moments of pleasure were fleeting And lately I've been feeling so cruel The sweet plastic portrait painted of you I could never draw out a meaning Nothing more than a dishonest feeling But you know
nightstand Spent the night in someone else's bed I can't stand Spending nights away from home But that's all that I've been doing It's all that I've been doing Then I woke up with the city on my mind I can't keep up with my mind It's always rushing to the next love But when I return I swear it will not be as a tourist will not And that's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you very much for listening, and a big thank you to all of our guests who spoke with us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, you can visit us online. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation, in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. And if you have any feedback about this week's show, we'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call on our listener line. It's open 24-7, no matter when you're listening to the show. You can pick up the phone and leave us a message there. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can leave us a comment about the show, suggest a topic for a future episode, or even if you just want to request a song that you'd like to hear on Sunday morning, let us know. So that's 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also find us on social media. Search up at RiverCity360 on Facebook, and be sure to like the Winnipeg Foundation's Facebook page as well. I'm Robert Zirk, signing off for River City 360. Thank you again so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Nolan will be back next week as well. And we hope you have a wonderful Sunday and long weekend.